Let's be nerds. I'm your host, Stephen J. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Gordon. Gordon, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, excited for today's show. Uh, we do have to address, we are missing one of our favorite co-hosts, Lizette. Uh, she, between a combination of lack of sleep and a very nasty headache, was unable to join us for today's recording. And uh, I know she is... Sad to be missing out, but we will probably be seeing her in the next one. But with that being said, the show must go go on, and we have a pretty spectacular guest that is a near and dear friend of mine that I think is going to bring some pretty interesting stuff to the table. Miss Carmen Jacobs, how are you doing? Hey, doing good. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. So good to finally have you on an episode. I'm excited to be a part of one of these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you listening, if by the time you are listening to this episode, you will have hopefully listened to the episode featuring Carmen's husband, Bob. Uh, They are a very, very near and dear set of friends of mine. They are happily married. They are, they've been with me since dang near the beginning and they are, some wonderful folks that I love to speak with in a personal light in my personal life, but to have them on this podcast is just a delight for me. And I want to share a little bit of what Carmen has to say with everybody listening. And uh, we have some pretty interesting ground to cover. Um, Carmen, why don't you just give a little bit of background on like what kind of things you nerd out about and what makes you a nerd? What makes me a nerd? <laughs> um, I feel like you, you don't have to be like the stereotypical nerd. It's just kind of finding something that you're passionate about and giving it whatever it is that you can. If it's, you know, going all out with following the, the movies or if there's a television show or books, whatever fandom you can kind of jump into uh, kind of resonates with anybody wanting to be a nerd in something. So I kind of nerd out on the walking dead. (laughs) (laughs) I have been a fan of the show since it first started in 2010. Um, And I didn't read the comics before I kind of jumped into the comics a little bit after starting to watch the show, but uh, I've been a diehard fan still watching it still to this day. Uh, tune in every episode and um, I don't know I still really like it I know that a lot of fandom kind of a lot of folks who started out watching it kind of stopped watching it after certain episodes came out certain seasons (laughs) and as a fan I can understand uh, the show got a little rough the storytelling kind of diverted in ways that we would have hoped as fans that we didn't think certain characters would take and maybe that's partially why people did stop watching it and I kind of kept going is I wanted to see you know hey how's our characters gonna play out with this and 
what are they going to do next? And what do I think they should do next? <laughs> but I'm not a writer. So <laughs> they're, they're not hiring me. But if they did. <laughs> if they ever came knocking, I think you'd have a right. lot to say. Right. <laughs> I think that's kind of why them. I started getting into it, too, is just it's it's something that's kind of realistic that you want to think, you know, hey, the world's kind of a crappy place already. What would happen if there were zombies? How would I survive? And what can I learn from these people? What do I want to pretend to be and emulate that could make me a stronger person in real life too? Mm-hmm. I can easily see that. Like that's the, uh, the draw, if you will, of that show. Yeah. Gordon, what were you going to say? say they're going to come knocking with a uh, baseball bat covered in uh barbed wire (laughs) say little pig little pig let me in much like the one dude school but you know um yep gordon are you a walking dead fan or were you at one point i was at one point in uh, a few years ago it has been a while since i have watched anything to do with it i think i stopped watching after uh Glenn got his head caved in. Yeah. Um, And that's that's what I want to touch on. This is the part of the show where we put Carmen on defense of The Walking Dead as if she's a credited producer. We make her explain to us why they killed Glenn. Um, The easy answer is because they did it in the comics. And they kept true to the comics. Um, The not so easy answer is that they didn't have to go to the level they went to. And I think that's why a lot of people got turned off is it wouldn't have been so bad losing a beloved character like Glenn or Abraham, but it was more so just kind of like murder porn in a sense, just mm-hmm. kind of really, really gory. Not something you typically see on your, you know, primetime Sunday night TV channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people weren't signed up or ready or prepared to see that kind of imagery coming through their television. And uh, I think that is why a lot of people stopped watching too. It sucks that you lost a beloved character, but it's also the apocalypse. Not everybody can survive. Mm-hmm. Everybody died on Lost. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm not familiar. I don't know why I just agreed with it. I've never seen an episode of Lost. Oh, I've never watched <laughs> it either. <laughs> but I know that everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> can I tell you my take on this? And Gordon, I want to hear yours as well. But that that is the point that it made me fall off. Uh-huh. And here's why. It wasn't necessarily the gore for me i just felt that when they and i i'm gonna mess up my episode or season numbers was it six going into seven or seven going into eight six into seven with the cliffhanger to me that was hack writing and i'm gonna say what I, i said what i said i feel like that was such a hacky move to make that the cliffhanger in my opinion, to leave everybody waiting all summer and the speculations and then the YouTubers with the frame by frames of who mm-hmm. was wearing what clothes, it just got too much. And I understand you have to leave them with a hook. I understand that. But for them to do it for me, to me, it just felt very hacky. It felt very, um, uh, it just didn't serve the audience. To me, I would have... If I would have known in that final episode who the hammer mm-hmm. went down, I would have still been mad. Sure. The hammer, the bat, I should say. Um, <laughs> who the bat went down. I would have still been heartbroken. I would have been pissed. I would have probably thrown my TV remote. 
but I would have tuned back in. It was the fact that I had to wait that entire time and it, and then I went through it again. And I'm like, yeah, it was almost like it was too much stimuli. It was all this anticipation and stress about a show I was so invested in. And then when I got to the finish line and like season, the season premiere of the actual, like who it really was, even though everyone really like over the summer, everyone basically figured it out. Um, and plus, like, all the spoilers. I used to follow Facebook pages of, like, people that would be in Georgia, like, watching them filming. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was, like, so Im- embedded into this culture. So Still I kinda, do. I'm I one kinda, of those people. Yeah. I kind of, <laughs> like, I was so obsessed. And then when it came around, I was, like, this was just not – it was just, like, too much. And I just was, like, I can't continue on. And that's the first time I've ever had that happen with the show. Yeah, I think it was bad story writing, too, is a lot of people expect, you know, the season finale to have some kind of closure. That's what you expect from the writing is, you know, you end the chapter, you have some kind of closure of how does this chapter end? And it ended Mm -hmm. on such a cliffhanger that you didn't have that closure. And then, like you said, you kind of get back into the next season whenever that, you know, season premiere comes back up again, which is, you know, six, five and a half, six, seven months later. Mm -hmm. And you have to relive that all over again. So it's that anxiety of oh my gosh who's gonna who's it gonna be and then it happens at the beginning of the episode that had you had that closure at the season finale six seven months ago you could have been emotionally invested for how does my group heal from this how How do do they rebuild like trying to process that that death that tragedy in the same episode of well how do they heal from this Mm -hmm. you could have had six seven months to figure that out for them as a viewer as a fan of the show but instead Mm -hmm. now you have literally five seconds to figure it out i think that's why a lot of people are turned off i agree that that is a perfect summary of how i felt i could have and don't get me wrong like that first month after that finale if they had shown who it was you would have heard me up and down Oh, I'm never watching that show again. But you yeah. better believe, come premiere night, my ass would have been in the couch <laughs> watching it. You know what I mean? You want to know. You want to know yeah. how your people that are still alive are gonna come out of this because they're still our team. We've seen them since day one, so they're our heroes. Even though maybe if we had the story point of view from Negan's aspect and his team's point of view, we could see the Rick group as the enemies, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't be cheering for them. I think that 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 would have been such an interesting angle and and at the end of the day I like everybody has their their characters in a show and for me I always find that my favorite characters I also usually tend to ship them and that really gets me involved in in a show and for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar a ship is a term I don't know where it originated but essentially it's shortened for relationship and it's Mm -hmm. it can be canon or non-canon but it's basically characters with on-screen chemistry that the viewers resonate with and want them to basically you know get it on and be a couple yep daryl and carol were the only reason i was watching that show i was committed to them since day one that's who i will sh- the ship is sailed for me they're married and have five kids in my head <laughs> so, the, so that alone <laughs> that alone i would have kept watching the show just for them i don't really want to hear about who she that she messed i heard she messed around with another man that wasn't daryl well, she did have a relationship with someone else, but here's a fun fact is that the Walking Dead universe is so huge now that, and again, here's the writers. I don't know. I don't speak for them. I can only talk from a fan's perspective. They are dangling all of this potential fruit out there with spinoff shows, and there is one potential spinoff show that they are claiming is in the works where it is just a Daryl and Carol spinoff. No. Yes. Now, I don't know if it is a prequel to, like, 
pre losing everybody else in their group? Is it after the official season 11 ends for the walking dead? Because this is technically their last season. They're just splitting it up into like three big chunks because of um, COVID kind of shutting down their production. Mm. They uh, didn't have a chance to kind of fully finish their season, I believe. So they gave us kind of a little bit of snippets, but um Season 11 is going to be a little bit longer than a typical season. So I don't know if the spinoff with Daryl and Carol is pre-everybody leaving the show or post whatever happens in season 11. But there is potentially talks of spinoff with Daryl and Carol. But again, they dangle all these potential things, just like we were supposed to have the Rick Grimes movies of where is he after Mm -hmm. he got picked up on the helicopter by Jadis. Um, And that still hasn't happened and nobody knows what's going on with that either. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're, they're putting the feelers out, like trying to see what gets traction to try to make money. Basically. Well, I feel like that's exactly it because they've lost so many, you know, dedicated fans like you guys, you know, that, that had uh, faith in the, in the series, faith in your characters, faith in the people. And then that particular season is exactly where like the line in the sand is drawn for many fans is that was it. That's their cutoff of, nope, I'm done. I can't take how they did this. It was wrong to leave on a cliffhanger. It was wrong to kill off the people that we did. It was wrong to show us how they killed off the people that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like where the line of the sand is drawn. So I think the reason they're putting all these potential, you know, other projects, spinoff series, whatever you want to call them, is more or less to entice fans to come back because they know fans like you who were dedicated to like the original of our team, the original characters from season one, from season two. Well, Mm -hmm. they're going to try to bring you back with just those characters from season one, season two, because you're not invested in who came later. You're not Mm -hmm. invested in who happened after the fall of Glad and Abraham. You're invested in who happened before. If that's Mm -hmm. Carol and Daryl, then maybe you'll sign on to come watch them in their own episode. And every show like this that runs, they're trying to have the Cheers Frasier effect. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? They're trying to make that happen again. And that's lightning in a bottle if they can make it happen. They just have to shoot the right shot at the right time. Right. Right. I do have to say one other thing. Because like in our little friend group of like my family, your family, my brother and his wife, it's funny because Mike and Shaylee did not can think they kind of fell off at the same time I did. Uh-huh. You know, my, my dad pressed on with you and Bob. For oh like, yeah. He still watched forever. It? He fell off. He, like, I remember coming home one night and you would have thought it was a death in the family. Yeah. He, I, he came, I came home one night and he's like, they killed Carl. Yes. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. He's like, I'm done. He's like, I hated the kid. He's like, but the way they did it, I'm done. I was like, Oh my God. Like they lost yeah. you too. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that was like, such a cheap blow to that actor too, to Chandler Riggs, because I feel like that was right around the time that he, and this is again, speculation. I don't speak for the actor. I don't speak for the show. I just know what I what I've read online and you can't put anything fake on the internet. You know that. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Everything's real. <laughs> there, there was an article that had come out about, about that time Chandler Riggs had just graduated high school. He was looking into colleges and of course he had, I think was in California um, had his pick of what you know, whatever college he had wanted gone wanted to go to, and he ended up choosing one in Georgia in Atlanta so that he could be close to filming. And mm-hmm. that's the season that they kicked him off after he just chose a college out there, just got his own apartment or house or something, and then that's the season that they decide to take him out of the show. He's just invested all of his time into this show as well, and that's I feel like they kind of did him dirty as an actor. 
well, I'm pretty sure he wrote a twit longer. I don't know. Was, I don't even know if they still do twit longers anymore, but that's like essentially where you can post a tweet that's longer than however yes. many characters. I'm pretty sure I'm and, may, and I, I'm getting my facts and I wish I would have realized the conversation would go here because I could have done research. It was like <laughs> either Chandler Briggs who played Carl or his father. One of them, either it was Carl did it or Chandler did a twit longer or his father did a Facebook post that got removed. And it was essentially confirming like Chandler was blindsided and like very hurt. And then Norman Reedus, I remember this for sure. Norman Reedus, I believe, spoke to Yahoo News and was like, oh, no, I'm pissed. Like it was like no one saw it coming. No one knew. It was like down and dirty. And I don't know if it was like a money thing because you have to think like, so now he's like becoming an adult. He was so 18 at that point. Yeah. His so he's salary. No longer a child demand. actor. And there are the, the child labor laws in Hollywood is a whole other episode we could get into. It's disgusting. <laughs> right. And so they were probably able to get him for basically nothing. And so now he turns 18. He's probably now got an agent. I mean, mm-hmm. like a more, serious agent his dad's his agent we've met him a couple of times at conventions but we can kind of talk about that uh, when we get a little bit later to that part of the show (laughs) i do want to talk we have to yeah we have to circle back on that one yes um but yeah i I wonder if it was a money thing because like if you look at it there's like often times i feel like they made like moves based on money and like salaries would get leaked and different stuff like that and i think there was i i kind of it's one of those shows where i'm also not that i'm happy it's ending but it's one of those ones where, like, five years from now, I would love for them to, like, do, like, a somebody to write a tell-all book or do yeah. a documentary and see, like, what the actual really, behind-the-scenes things. Like, production side, pay yeah. way, right, waves, like. Yeah, I'd say that's probably not far off something with money. I, again, it's speculation. I don't speak for anybody. It's just kind of what I can think of. And, you know, so you have that aspect. Then you had the Lauren Cohen, you know, during the same time that Rick left the series, she also was written off of the series, not killed off, but written off. And it was overpay Mm -hmm. um, because she had taken on another show that Whiskey Tango, I think Mm -hmm. it was Whiskey Tango, but it ended up not getting picked up more than just a season. So she was able to come back to The Walking Dead. But that's essentially the reason she left to seek another job was because she wanted more money. They said no. So she took another position with another television show. Mm-hmm. And there was also the, I don't know too much about it, but I know that there is or was a lot of court drama with the original writer of the television show and the current uh, team, which was Frank Darabont. I might be pronouncing his name wrong, but there was some kind of issue with him paying him his royalty fees for certain episodes as well too for things that he wrote so yeah i agree there's probably going to be things that come out but it sounds like just like anything else money's the root of all evil so Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of things are uh surrounded by money problems yep and to speak to that rumor mill and again speculation rumor mill whatever you want to call it and i'm Mm -hmm. gonna butcher her name Sonequa, Sonequa Martin Green. Yes. Who, yes. She, um, for those of you listening, she played Sasha Williams. Um, I, she took on NBC's streaming app, Star Trek mm-hmm. uh, reboot. And the rumor mill, I think there was like a blind item on like those that day's uh, seven days, seven nights blog site. There was like a blind item that was released that it was actually about money for her too. 
mm-hmm. and like a wage disparity, but like she didn't go as public with it as Lauren Cohen did. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I may have read that as well, too. Yeah. Again, that website, I, I'm not even, I'm butchering the name of that website, but it's all, it's like a tabloid-ish. It's like the, the yeah, internet tabloid, yeah. but still the fact that, it, here's my thing. If like, okay, let's say the three of us and Bob are on a production team of like a hit show. I'm sorry. I'm going to do everything in my power to never let money affect like these money leaks and like it takes away from the realness of the show when you realize like oh maybe that character didn't come back because they didn't get their salary demand yeah like i would want that stuff so like open forum among production and cast that it never had to get leaked to get anything done if that makes sense yeah i mean just kind of you know being fair just being a decent human being and treating people and this could go for any nerddom, any fandom, any kind of job, whatever is out there is just paying the people their value, their worth, and making sure that you're fair about it for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's that's pretty – I don't know. I love that because that, Walking Dead is one thing we have not talked about yet on this show, so I'm glad that we got to dive into that. Yeah. Um, Gordon, would you say that you fell off the show? Like you said, basically around the same time with the Glenn situation, right? Yeah. And I was already falling off just because I just lost interest in it and just the show itself. No real reason. Then that happened. I'm like, eh. It just kind of sealed your fate for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, you know what? I have more important things I can be doing. Other <laughs> shows to watch. I can be playing Minecraft. Sorry. <laughs> then I dive deep into an anime addiction, and I've yet to come back from that. I'm watching well, the same three shows over and over again for the past three years. <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I'm I'm guilty of that as well. Um, so let me think here. So the next thing that I want to get into is The Walking Dead, and we kind of just hinted at it a little bit when we were on the Chandler Riggs subject. So. The Walking Dead led to your first convention experience, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah, so yeah, they had you... the the ill-fated, <laughs> if I can say that, uh, mm-hmm. Walker Stalker Con, which was a dedicated convention to all things Walking Dead and other similar related uh, fandoms. So they've had uh, Z Nation uh, people at their conventions. They've had they actually had original cast members from Night of the Living Dead a couple of times as well, too. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we didn't get a chance to meet. I can't think of his name. The the male actor that's like, they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you know, mm-hmm. if you know the Night of the Living Dead, you know exactly who I'm talking about. They had both of them. They had Barbara and I can't think of his name there. They had Tom Savini. We've met Tom Savini at the conventions um, twice, actually. Yeah, they had Tom Savini twice. Then they also had other fandoms. So they've also had cast members from Sons of Anarchy was a big one that they dived into. Fear the Walking Dead, they had a couple of actors from, again, kind of tying in with the Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. Uh I'm trying to think. I think that's really the only shows, at least at the conventions that we went to, that they had actors from. Actors and artists. That's pretty cool. And like, and they did pay a lot of, like they had comic book panels as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Didn't they, did they do a little bit of like the comic book stuff? Yes, they did. They had an artist there and um, I can't think of his name. He is actually one of the artists 
that does the drawing for the actual comics. Um, he was there signing autographs, obviously. I can't think of his name because we met him once. Um, yeah. But he did a, like a Q&A session kind of just talking about his art, getting in with comic book art, having a panel about that. And they also had the actors um, do panels, but it was mostly just Q&As and they kind of grouped the actors not necessarily as one big whole group with like everybody from The Walking Dead, but they kind of paired up like two, three, four at most um, of people who had like connecting storylines. So um, from season two and three where they had um, the prison fell and you had Tyrese with the children, um, one of the panels was him with uh, the girls that played uh, Mika and uh, Lizzie. So the three of them did a panel together. Um, I'm trying to think. Beth, I think, did a panel together with Lauren Cohen, obviously. So you had Maggie and Beth do together. Not at ones that we were at, necessarily. Mm -hmm. There were some comic book talk, but it was more kind of about the TV versions and not so much the comic versions for those conventions. It wasn't like a comic con kind of deal. Okay. So walk me through... If you can recall, like when you and Bobby discovered this was happening or had already happened and like how you made plans to go to your first one. Like, tell me about just like the buildup and excitement as a fan. It literally happened spur of the moment. So it was a Friday at work, <laughs> a Friday at work. Um, he came in, he saw something on Facebook, I think, about the first Walking Dead convention. It was happening in Philly. So it's not too far away from us. And uh, we saw, you know, the different artists that were going to be there um, or different, different talent, I guess I should say, the different actors. They were supposed to have like Norman Reedus. They had um, John Bernthal. They did have Emily Kinney. They also had Chad Coleman and Sonequa Martin-Green. Um, oh, my gosh. I, Michael Cudlitz. Lots of people were there. So we were really excited. We're like, this is 2015. We heard about it a week in advance, and we just were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go do this. So we literally have made it happen a week in advance. And That's so cool. Super spur of the moment. <laughs> it wasn't it in Jersey, right? Or Philly? Philly. The first one we went to was in Philly. Okay. They had conventions in Jersey. They had conventions actually all over the world eventually. Um, really? Yeah, they had ones in Australia, Germany, England, UK, Ireland, Wales, somewhere the biggest one they had, though, was in Atlanta. They always had a real big one in Georgia for, um, obviously, where the show took place. That kind of makes sense. On Yeah. Yeah. You know, near filming. Wow. So that's like, okay, I know I've seen photos. Like, you've met Michael Cudless. Um, yes. So, and I can, I'm blanking on his character's name. Abraham. Abraham. I loved Abraham. <laughs> it's, you, I believe you've told me privately, and from what I've seen in the pictures, he seemed like a cool dude. He's awesome. So the way that the that we found out that first year of going to to a convention is you have something called your table selfies and then you have professional photo ops. So we didn't know the difference. We were brand new. We go in, we get our tickets, we go to the convention. It's general admission. Um, we just assume you have to pay for the professional photo ops, which a professional photo op is literally a like a class picture, you have like 2.5 seconds to walk up next to the person, you smile for the camera, and you walk away. And you're paying usually anywhere upwards from 50 to a couple hundred, depending on who the actor is, or if it's a group of actors. So we kind of blew all our money <laughs> on the professional photo ops, not realizing, crap, we don't really get to spend a whole lot of time with them doing it this route. So the table 
the table meet and greets or the table selfies is where you can kind of get them to sign the autographs. You might only get maybe five minutes, but it's still a little bit more time than a professional photo op. And um, I mean, I don't know if they're putting it on, if they're acting as well too, but it seems like every single time that we've met somebody, they feel like they're genuine. They feel like they're just as excited to see their fans as their fans are to see them. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Michael Cudlitz, at least he he really, really appreciate, and I think most of the actors, honestly, they like and appreciate when you recognize them for things other than The Walking Dead. So one of the things that when we met Michael Cudlitz, we both knew him from Band of Brothers. He was an actor in the in the miniseries Band of Brothers, and he pay, played one of our favorite characters on that episode as well, too. So oh, when wow. we met up, we, we you know shook his hand, got an autograph, and we said, you know, we loved your work in, in you know, Band of Brothers. And he just kind of like flipped the switch and started talking about all the different acting, um, different roles, how excited he was to be a part of that. And um, I'm trying to think of what else happened with Michael Cudlitz. I can't think. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. But either way, they were all really excited about talking about things other than The Walking Dead. Not that they don't like talking about The Walking Dead. I think they just like being recognized for other stuff so that they knew that they weren't just like the one trick pony. It wasn't just this one show that made them a big deal. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Like a, not a, like a Daniel Radcliffe syndrome where you're like, you're yeah, always yeah. forever Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Forever Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, I know Norman Reedus when we met him, I think we met him in 2017 or 18. And of course we go up, we get our autograph from him. Um, and one, it was right around the time that he had just wrapped up, season one of his ride TV show. And we had heard, you know, somewhere online, they posted that ride got picked up for season two. So we go up, we get our autograph at his table and we just both happened to mention like, Hey, congratulations. We heard ride two is getting picked up and immediately like the switch flipped. And he was just like, yeah, man, I can't wait to do season two. We're going to go here, here and here. I have this many people coming on. And then he turned around to like his handler or maybe his, manager i'm not quite sure what he was but he's like this is so and so and he works with me on ride too and he brought him over and so now the four of us are all talking about ride and he he really spent a lot of his time with his fans as well too so kind of giving everybody a really really good experience no matter who they were that i love that like it's like a unique act like authentic moment yes and it, like i said I, I don't know if they put it on if it's just for show if it's just them acting but it feels as a fan as if they care just as much as we do Hmm. That's pretty cool. I have to ask, did you ever meet my girl, Melissa McBride? No, she only ever did the Atlanta conventions. Okay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I Would understand. have loved to, though. Oh, she's such a badass. Um, did you, so who else besides, so who else can you, was like noteworthy and like, we got to throw some shade. Who was like the worst one you met? <laughs> the worst. I don't think any of them were really the worst, honestly. Oh. Um, our favorite by far has always been Ross Marquand. He is just a genuine dude and um, funny, just so freaking funny. <laughs> and, um, he, uh, when we went, oh my gosh, I can't even remember which year it was. One of the years that we went, we both wore T-shirts that said "Virginia's for lovers" because Eugene, at one point when he's watching Rosita. And Abraham get on is wearing a Virginia's for lovers t-shirt. So we thought it'd be haha funny. That's our con wear. We're wearing a Virginia's for lovers t-shirt. Well, uh, Ross Marquand saw Bobby in his Virginia's for lovers shirt as we're going up to get our autograph and meet Ross Marquand. And he's like, listen, 
my friends are from Virginia. They're going to absolutely love this. Can I take a picture with you on my cell phone as well, too? So he took his own picture with Bobby on his own personal cell phone to send to his friends because he was excited that there were fans at the convention. It just was, you know, super relatable. That's pretty cool. Like, it was like a down-to-earth, like... Super down-to-earth. Oh, my gosh. You see, and that's what's cool is, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of these actors are incredibly talented, but it's, like, they're also not... How do I say it politely? It's not like they're the Brad Pitts and Angelina Jolie's of the world. So it's, like, they're part of this fandom, and it's probably, you know, the peak of, quote-unquote, the peak of their career... Yeah. But it's like you're getting to recognize them for the other, their other work. And it's like they're still human at the end of the day, getting this check. Yeah. Being a celebrity, but like they're not quite on that level of snobbish no, entitlement, it, you know? No, everybody that we've ever met has always been super down to earth, approachable, relatable. Just again, like you don't feel that air about them as you just feel like, hey, they're your buddy. They're just. Mm-hmm. They're your friend. It, they're just another human being. And as much as we put some of these guys on a pedestal, it's just as much our fault, you know, <laughs> yeah. that we've created this like air of, you know, oh, you're famous. You're above me, but you're not above. They're just humans. They're just people okay. too. Put their pants on one leg at a time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have to get into the downfall of Walker Stalker Con. And this is a subject that me and you have, I was not aware of till we decided we were in planning for this episode. So we have to speak about this in a very correct way. Yeah. Um, but I think I want to hear some of the information that you are aware of and, you know, the alleged allegations. But before we dive into that, we're going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back. And we're back. Okay, so Carmen, I want you to walk me through, because it was news to me, walk me through like how you found out that it, Walker StalkerCon was no more and the details that we publicly know yeah. as of right now. So there's one article that I know of. It's from the comicbook.com, and um, it basically talks about how there was uh, an incident that happened at one of the Walker Stalker conventions that kind of opened Uh, a lot of people's eyes to the issues that were happening behind the scenes. And I don't know the specific incident, but I know that something happened and there was some kind of an altercation between one of the actors on the show who is hard of hearing. I don't know if she's deaf, but she does have, you know, hard of hearing disability. Um, Something happened with that actor and security, not for the venue itself, but security for the actual Walker Stalker convention. Um, And it it sounds like it was a pretty traumatic experience. And from that, it kind of spiraled. And um, it, 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 you know, on this article kind of talked about how, I guess what happens with conventions is to get actors booked. And this might be like a behind the scenes thing of things that I know I've read is if you own a convention and you're going to be putting on a convention, you call up your talent and you say, hey, will your actor do this convention? I will guarantee that if they come for three days, they will make X amount of money. Um, So it's essentially guaranteeing that they're going to make this much money when they come. And that money comes from either the professional photo ops, the autographs, um, or any like table selfies, meet and greets. So the actors will get a portion of that, as will the convention. 
And so apparently behind the scenes with the Walker Stalker Con is it was not holding up its end of the bargain. It was promising certain uh, dollar amounts to certain, you know, members of the talent, the actors, and then it wasn't paying that money to them. So uh, I think that kind of opened a lot of people's eyes that um, the Walker Stalker Con was not having fair practices. Uh, mm-hmm. The actors were trying to speak out on behalf of their fans as well, too, saying, hey, don't come to this convention. They're taking your money and literally just taking your money. Mm-hmm. Um, we can meet you at, at other conventions. There are other places that we can hang out, that we can interact. It doesn't have to be this particular brand. Okay. So that it well, and to give a little bit more detail from what I'm reading here, so if you're the actor that seems to be like the main whistleblower in this tweet is Carrie Payton, and now Gordon, you'll know who this is. He's the voice of Cyborg. Yes. Oh. Yes, and he's a prolific voice actor. He's yes. done like he's done so many voice roles. It's incredible. Long career. Best friends with Tara Strong, queen of voice acting. And yes. Ezekiel was his like one of his pro- most prominent live action roles, so it looks like he was the one that really, you know, but with the hearing impaired actress, um, I'm going to butcher an Angel Theory is yeah what, Angel Theory yeah. yeah. So it looks like he was the main one that blew the whistle on that, and then it seems like he just because he did a series of tweets and Instagram posts, and it seems like he's really the one that shut it down. He's the first one I think that spoke out on behalf of like, listen, this is not cool. This is not okay. And I'm not going to go through with it anymore. And then because I think, you know, he was one of the first ones to do it. Other actors who probably felt the same way, maybe felt more comfortable. And well, yeah, if he's not going, then I'm not going too because I feel the same way about it. And um, it, it just kind of opened everybody else's eyes to like, hey, we don't have to do this. This is not the only convention that is out there. There are literally thousands of conventions happening all across the United States at any given moment in time. And Walking Dead actors don't have to go to a Walking Dead only convention. We have met many of these actors at Steel City Con, which has anybody from, you know, um, Ron Perlman uh, to, I'm going to butcher his name as well, too. Is it George Takei? Takai. 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 I'm terrible with names. Um, there's Walking Dead actors that we've met there with Matthew Lillard. So it's not like the Walking Dead convention is the only naming conventions. And I think that's kind of what Kari Payton was getting at is, you know, you don't have to go to just this one. I'll see you in another one. Don't give this one your money because it's not practicing fair, basically. And like, that's what I get out of it. I'm speculating just based on one article alone. And all of this is alleged because from what I've seen, there doesn't seem to be any litigation. So, if, right. you know, if they're not pushing back as like the talent and they're not starting a lawsuit or, or fans, you're not starting a lawsuit. All of this is alleged speculation. Right. I tend to personally side with Mr. Payton because in this house we stand him. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where you can't say too much. You can't say too little. Right. But I, res- I respect him for because it looks like as you read this article and maybe we should link link this in the description box below yeah um it seems like you like you said he blew the whistle and he like he allowed these other people to have a voice and have the courage to stand up i remember i follow angel theory on on social media as well too so i remember seeing her profile and i remember vaguely um her talking about whatever the incident was that happened and how upset and shook she was 
And um, I almost want to say it was almost as if, again, going back to the unfair practices, was she promised, you know, having some sort of a language interpreter, interpreter, sorry, I can't speak today. Um, and the convention did not follow through with that, did not provide that for her. And was that something that they, you know, signed a contract for? I don't know. Um, but the fact that it's more than one actor coming forward to say this makes me feel like there has to be something to it. And then the other aspect of it, too, in that article is it does talk about the person who kind of created the convention. And I skipped over his name. I don't remember what his name is now. But he actually stepped down. So he's no longer in charge of the Walker Stalker convention or its name. He resigned from that position. Kind of, So, again, is that because he didn't want the heat? He was guilty, and maybe by stepping down, that kind of relieved any kind of litigation possibilities. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, get out before the uh, the hammer falls, so to speak. Yeah, speculation, just saying. But he's no longer in charge of uh, the actual Walker Stalker Con if it ever does come back. I know it was supposed to have – it said in that article that they were going to have one in 2020, but COVID, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and – um. I'm just trying to get this. I was just trying to find it. And it also looks like that part of the issue with um, the, the, with Miss Theory's um, disabilities, I guess part of it is security also took issue with her service dog. Yes. That's like, yeah. Like what the fuck, what is that? You know? And it wasn't, security for the actual convention center so wherever this happened it was the atlanta one so it was the big one that they had in georgia which they make a big deal out of because the walking dead is filmed in georgia so they kind of make that like their san diego comic-con kind of deal it's that big for them yeah Um, so whoever the security was i'm almost positive from what i've read is it was not security for the convention center itself it was the security for the actual walker stalker brand if that makes sense Mm -hmm. it was their in-house because a lot of these times like when you're planning these types of events from what i understand when you book a venue Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily always come with security you know what i mean if we were to have a let's be nerds at a a convention at at a hotel you have to supply your security and it has to meet a certain standards per certain number of people sure so they could have spent subcontracting it out with a company for every single one. They sure. could be getting companies locally. It, it's in the, just to clarify this, the CEO that resigned, his name was James Frazier. Thank you. I couldn't find his uh, name fast enough. That's okay. Um, yeah. I, it's, a, it's a sad ending to like, what was a good thing, but maybe. Yeah, very much so. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's why Miss Melissa Burt McBride only appeared once a year to do it for the fans. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's always more questions than answers. Yeah. And I do know that when that article came out, we had attended one more Walker Stalker Con shortly after that article came out, which was, or shortly before that article came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the last one we attended was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And from our 2015 visit to the 2019 visit, the amount of talent, the amount of actors or artists or vendors that you had between the first convention to the last convention we attended was drastic. It was not nearly what we saw in 2015. So there was a decrease in um, talent coming, a decrease in artists coming and the tickets got expensive. They got more, you know, higher priced year after year as well too. So I get, you know, there's inflation, Mm -hmm. but if it's going back to those unfair practices of you are, you know, charging people more money, 
but then you're also charging them more money and you're kind of giving fans less. We didn't have as much to kind of see. We didn't have as many actors to interact with. We didn't have as many panels to attend. Yeah. So it's like, essentially you're, you're not getting the bang for your buck. Right. So was that the writing on the wall? Were there more actors who had pulled out and weren't vocal about it? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mr. Payton was on the internet after the Atlanta incident. Maybe they just were like quietly, no, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to be part of your convention any longer. And until the Angel Theory incident happened, and then they were like, nope, we're going to get vocal about this, and here's why we're not doing it anymore. I could see it. I mean, again, speculation, but I could see it. Right. Have we heard anything about this James Frazier, like what he's up to? Or is he basically just kind of, from what I can tell, it looks like he's just kind of fallen off, and probably for good reason. I feel like... I don't. I, I thought I read where he was going to be doing another sort of convention where it was going to be like kind of like a uh, a dual thing. So it was going to be like multi-fandoms happening, not just Walking Dead. He also had another one with FanFest. I'm almost positive was part of his as well too. And the FanFest conventions were more geared towards like the superhero shows because I know he used to have uh, The Arrow was one of his biggest um, he would have actors from the Arrow from his fan fest conventions. So I don't know uh, if he's still doing them. He might still be part of like the executive team, but maybe not the only decision maker possibly. Oh boy. Well, um, allow me to read to you from the game of nerds.com. Okay. Headline attorney general and James Frazier reach deal over Walker Ta- Walker stalker LLC. So he, he must have settled 10 months ago. He settled then. 2020 was a bad year for many of us, but there's someone who got the ultimate 2020 karma hit, James Frazier. <laughs> name might sound familiar, owner of Walker Stalker, fan fest conventions. Uh, let's scroll ahead. Jay- oh, my. By the time we got into 2020, fan fest was getting compared to fire festival. Remember that crisis? Yes. And the damage was done. James Frazier, Frazier was hit with a federal lawsuit. The rest of the world was thrown into a COVID world, and we silently forgot about the man who stole nerds' money. Yeah. While waiting for the attorney general and the case to go to court, James successfully sold Walker Stalker to Three Farms Production. They announced on Facebook that Three, I'm sorry, Three Fams Production would be taking over and even talked about refunds in October 2020. Yeah. Oh, so this... And on December 2nd, 2020, a deal was reached with Attorney General of Tennessee, Walker Stalker LLC, and its CEO, James Frazier. Um, well, uh, and that's just that one state. That's just the Attorney General of Tennessee. Think about how many other states he's had conventions in that he may still be waiting for litigation or settling. Yes. And he, okay, he was prohibited from owning or engaging in a business similar to Walker Stalker LLC and must refund all money owed. If you are owed money, whether you are a vendor, a fan, or a celebrity, you can apply here for your refund. We're linking this article in the description box. (laughs) Just on the off chance that like somebody attended one of these and got screwed over. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That's stuff we didn't know about until after the fact and now our eyes are opened and Wow. The dark side of conventions. That could be a YouTube video. Yeah. But then that makes sense of, you know, why we didn't have as many people to meet the the very last year. You know, there were so many people that we wanted to meet the first year we went in 15, 
And obviously we kind of didn't know what to expect, like how expensive it can be in mm. some aspects that we didn't have enough money to meet everybody. So the next couple of years we planned, we saved, we knew exactly what we wanted to do. I looked online and I kind of was able to find different uh, photos and articles that talked about, you know, how much people would charge at the table for autographs, for selfies, for meet and greets. Um, so we kind of budgeted, we had a, a good budget, a good system. So the amount of money that we had planned to spend for that very last year didn't nearly touch because it just, there weren't that many people wow. to, to meet. That's kind of sad. Yeah. Huh. And well, I will say I th- <laughs> one last thing to kind of talk about with conventions is everybody always wants to go towards like the big name stars and not that they don't deserve credit. You know, the lines are always going to be super duper long for like your Jeffrey Dean Morgans, your Norman Reedus's, your Andy Lincoln's. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other actors that are on the show are just as equally as important, are just as excited to be there. And you can honestly probably get a better, longer interaction with them mm-hmm. for less money. So like the first year we met uh, Ross Marquand was when he had just been introduced as the Aaron character. So that was season five, season early season six, mm-hmm. um, before he became the character that now everybody knows and loves. So he was a minor character at that time. And he had one of the most memorable experiences for us that first year that we met him. So everybody is equally as important to meet just because they're not the headliner of whatever particular show it is that you're watching, that you're going to these conventions. Mm -hmm. Um, They're absolutely worth the time to, to go up, hang out with and introduce for a couple of minutes. Absolutely. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I was still watching at the time. I believe Mark Ross was brought in part-time in the beginning. I don't yes. think he was even a full-time contract. No, I don't think so either. I, I agree. I think he was just a part-time. And let me ask you this. Psychology-wise, did mm-hmm. you, because you now met him and realized he was cool, it was kind of like, oh, I, I liked that band before it was cool. Were you like more <laughs> of a fan of Ross's character after that great interaction? Locally? 100% yes, that is yeah. 100% true. It <laughs> almost was because we met them, we, we became more invested in their character. So it's not even just him on um, being on The Walking Dead is, you know, I'm also in, invested in his character as Red Skull. I'm also invested in how he does anything now because I've met him. And I feel mm-hmm. like, again, a 10-minute conversation but it was one that meant a lot to us mm-hmm. yeah it resonated with you as fans to like yeah. the normalcy and like the just yeah and this is like i guess in bob's episode i talked about my convention hesitancy because, <laughs> and that was a whole story about like i had there was a crush of mine from childhood that was at steel city pittsburgh and i didn't go and i like almost, i was like in my car yeah so essentially, we're having conventions, ep- convention episodes to talk through my anxiety about meeting these people. <laughs> this is actually a, this is actually a self help thing. Uh, Better help sponsor <laughs> this show. Uh, I need you. This is my yes. cry for help. Um, <laughs> if you've ever thought about going to a convention, just do it because it's always a good time, and everybody there like is happy to be there is happy you're there and there's never a bad vibe ever yeah if there is i've never seen it i don't know maybe it's just one of those 
you you find the energy that you put out in the world kind of situations but it doesn't matter what convention we've gone to we've always had a good time we've always had great interactions with either the actors or the vendors or other people that are waiting in line um it's just a good time everybody should do it everybody should go to a comic-con at least once and my thing is is i think that like as i build myself up to this i'm gonna go like what my dream is is like my favorite DC characters uh, when Dick Grayson grows up from Robin to Nightwing. Yeah, I love the, love that character development. Love him as a character. He's probably my favorite, and I I don't like to say my favorites because it, it changes. Right. But like my first convention, I'm going cosplay. Uh, if we have a person coming on to do a follow up to conventions that is a cosplayer. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like I'm going to talk myself up. I'm going as Nightwing. I'm doing Do the whole the whole damn, like, nine yards. People will love it. You will have so many strangers walk up to you and want your photo. It will be fantastic. The pressure's on. I got to start actually, like, lifting and not just doing 12-ounce <laughs> curls, though, to fill out that costume. <laughs> well. But that's, a great, but that's a great segue. Oh. And... <laughs> Great segue into another area of your life where, dare I say, you are a powerlifting nerd. I am a powerlifting nerd. (laughs) Nerds come in all forms, and not many can say that they're a nerd about, you know, something. Like, you think of a nerd, and you don't necessarily think of being engrossed in a fitness community. Is that an appropriate term? Yeah, sure, yeah. And so I'm obsessed uh, with this because i follow you on tiktok and thank you everyone needs to follow you i love your realness i love the fact that you show your successes you show your not so successes you show it all and like why your shit hasn't blown up more is lost on me because i think (laughs) it's it's very real you know what i mean like just honest like i feel like that's like that that's like me trying to get into something you know what i mean like i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna mess up i'm not gonna be perfect out of the gate nobody's gonna be perfect no. so, and, and that's like the other thing of any fandom is you don't have to know every single episode or every single comic book ever released to like something mm-hmm. so i don't have to know everything about powerlifting to know that i like it and that i want to learn about it and i want to be better at it and it seems like it's a community like it like it's much so like much a is. fandom yeah absolutely it's a family and a community you know everybody it's funny because it's conversations that you have with gym people that only other gym people will understand yeah (laughs) that i try to come home and talk to bobby about you know like oh hey i did this many reps at this many set and it was at this percent it's like of what well it was my this percent of my one rep max okay and what do you do that for to get bigger (laughs) Me. To get stronger. Get jacked, man. <laughs> I am the... shredded, yoked. I, okay, you see, with your little Gordon and I are not the peak of uh, fitness. Let's put it that way. We work. No, in a, we, we work in the kitchen, and when and when shit goes bad, we make each other emotional support cheese sticks to get through the shift. So, <laughs> and I have my monstrosity of. Deep frying pretzel logs and smothering them in cinnamon and sugar, and then making an icing to put on top of them. And today we deep fried a stromboli. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm not mad healthy. at any of that. I gotta be honest. You're not what? I'm not mad about any of that. I'd still eat it. You guys gotta come down to the crow's nest. You guys gotta come down and let us cook for you. <laughs> I know. We have you, to. 
the fact that you're allowed you're allowed carbs in this whole thing so like yeah. you're fine just come down we'll cook for you it'll be great like, everybody's gonna be different with how they do things and i'm still new to powerlifting um so by the time this episode comes out i will have had my second competition <gasps> and i'm gonna say this because you know if i say it out loud maybe i'll manifest that it'll actually happen for me we believe is, in manifesting yes we can manifest it <laughs> is by the time this episode comes out i will be the new pa state record holder for the deadlift for my age and weight class Shut in rps federation are you serious that's what you're going for I'm seven and a half pounds away from my current one rep max from making that new Mac record mine. In English, you're seven pounds away from. So my current, my current best that I just hit at my August meet, uh-huh. I did my best deadlift at 330 pounds. Oh, the oh my current God. record for, de- for deadlifts for my age group and weight class is 335 to break a record. With this federation, you have to beat it by two and a half pounds. So I have to hit 337 and a half pounds to be the new state record holder. Holy shit, Carmen. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> so that's why I'm manifesting. By the time this yeah. episode happens, you can you can see me on my socials that I am the new PA state record holder. I'm, I'm manifesting this for you, but I also <laughs> know your personality after, what has it been, 10 years? How long have you and Bobby been married? We have been married eight years. And how long did you date? Oh, God. We've been date- together since 2008. So we've been together for 13. Oh, so in, in all of that, I was going to say 10 years just because, like, I'm bad with math. In all of this time of knowing you, you're, you are a go-getter personality. Like, you, you put you. your all into it. You're going to do this. I'm going to try my best. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. That's insane. <laughs> I feel like we're getting like the exclusive here. Like I didn't know this. Like you're gonna be like a, you know like a little bit of buzz around you with this whole title thing. I mean, let's hope I don't let people down by the time this episode comes oh, out. <laughs> you will not. You will not. You're. I'm manifesting it right now. You're gonna kick ass and take names. Oh, thank y'all. I'm already <laughs> contacting the officials. We're gonna bribe them. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> things. Can you like cook me a celebratory deep fried something with powdered sugar? <laughs> Oh yes, shit. I can do that any day. Sweet. Gordon, what was that really good dessert you were talking? Didn't you just tell me about something you wanted to deep fry dessert wise the other day? Oh, I think I was. Oh, what, what was it? it? I wanted to deep fry so many things because oh, I'm it, so it, healthy. It, oh, but it would be a dessert. <laughs> what we could do is we could do it and like have Bob and Carmen come down and like we could do that for her cele- like celebration when she wins. Even if I don't win, just the fact that I lifted weight because it's heavy oh. as shit. Excuse me, it's heavy. <laughs> Cut that out if you need to cut it out. But no, we're allowed to swear. Fuck, we can swear all we want. It's after the minute mark. This is our fucking podcast. As long it's your as show. You can do whatever you want. It's my party. I can cry if I want to. Um, That's true. Whether or not you don't break the record, we are going, going to. We are going to. We like we know this about your personality and your uh, ambition. And if you don't get it this time, you're dead sure going to get it the next fucking time. For sure. That's just who you are as a human. But what we need to do is like have you and Bob come down for a dinner and then dessert will be on us. Complimenting on the house will make you, I think, what did you say? Wasn't it like a brownie something you told me, Gordon? <gasps> that sounds You're, amazing. Oh, I don't, I don't know if that was the deep no, fried one, but there no. was definitely a brownie dessert that I love to make. You, well, me and you will get together on this and we'll remember and we're not going to tell Carmen it'll be a surprise. <laughs> I'll clear it with Bobby behind her back to make sure she'll like it. Okay. And then, yeah. And it'll be a I nice am an, surprise. 
just just to let everybody know, I am an equal opportunity carb enthusiast as well as a dessert lover. <laughs> There's pretty much nothing I'll say no to. He works out to be able to eat all the dessert that we make. I mean, I mean, you need carbs to live. Some people don't. I mean, it depends on everybody's diet. I'm not super strict oh, with I what I do, and I love carbs. I just know how to limit what I need to eat. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had that kind of self control. <laughs> Well, it will never happen. <laughs> I'm also like when I train at the gym, I'm there for two and a half hours. Sometimes I need that carb, I need that boost, that rice krispie treat, or those fruit snacks to to get two me through. Two and a half hours in the gym, I could never. It depends on what never. we're. Yeah, it depends on the training program for the day. So like my squat and deadlift days, because I have such heavy weights, which it's heavy for me, not heavy compared to other people, but heavy for me. It still takes a while to get up to those working sets. So yeah, it can be like two to two and a half hours sometimes. I feel like I need to sit down just like imagining the two and a half hours I'm already tired. Like I feel like my But it's not hurts. like I'm straight working for two, two and a half hours. There are gym people there. There's a lot of bullshit in happening. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and the fun thing about powerlifting is different from like other forms of fitness like CrossFit where you do as many reps as you possibly can in a very short amount of time. Powerlifting is literally pick it up, put it back down once, and then you rest. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like it's building. <laughs> it's like it's all about building up, right? Yes. And thank God, oh God, you know, when you got into this, I was like so worried that you were going to be a CrossFitter, and I was going to have to like excommunicate you from like, the <laughs> friend group because like, like CrossFit. I do but CrossFit never too. Shut up. They no, never I do. shut up. It's like somebody that has a law degree or something. They never like, oh, I'm a lawyer. Like they never stop talking about it. But like with this, you're so. <laughs> or if you're like a bicycle. Oh, you know, no, cross- those types of things. Where like I had this one person on Instagram and TikTok, and like I know him in real life, and it's CrossFit saved my life. And I'm like, dude, you're still like doing rails of coke in the bathroom at a bar. Oh like, no! Come on, <laughs> come on. Let's be oh. honest. Let's uh, I would like to meet this guy for reasons. No, you don't. <laughs> Anyway, but like when, I, but like the whole culture around what you're doing seems so supportive. Like I look at your comment sections under your posts because I try to keep up with as much of your stuff as I can, and it's like it's literally like you have a whole new friend group, quote unquote, family. Yeah, because it's like yeah, nothing honestly, but positivity. Uh, probably better than some family. <laughs> I feel like yeah, the, mood, uh, mood. Yeah. mood, big mood, <laughs> hitting no. home it's, in this group. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's just like some people just don't get it and it's fine. You don't have to get it. You don't have to like something because I like something. But, you know, you don't have to be disrespectful towards somebody else for having hobbies. And that's the thing though, Carmen, is like it's all about the approach. Like yeah. how how you deliver your content to me so like it's it genuinely is inspiring without crossing into that like Instagram influencer like fake shit. Oh god, no. Can if I if I ever do that, please just like Somebody unplug all my stuff. Seriously. <laughs> I'll just, be like, I'll be like, Bob, time to shut off the router. No. Yep. Yeah. No. Just, just turn it off. No, I never want to be that person. I'm real. Those people aren't always real. They don't portray. They don't portray me. They don't portray the average person who's watching their their you know stuff. Yeah. Um, so I put up what I put up mostly just because I like to put up cool ass music to it. I put you, my favorite songs to stuff. Your song selections are fire. I have yeah, to say that. That's, yeah, that's and, pretty much why I choose what I choose. <laughs> I and, know and she knows she knows well, it's fire. You've always had a good taste in music. But like my thing else is, likes it, but me, so what? I like watching my videos and listening to my own shit. 
and I and I like that approach because it's like you're doing it for you and that shows in the videos because it feels like when I watch your stuff it's like it's almost like because obviously we don't get to see each other as much as we would like but when I'm watching when I'm watching your videos it's almost like I'm getting to see a side of you that even if we were seeing each other like once a week that's still a side of your life that I feel like you're being very vulnerable with and you're sharing and yeah I think that you're the first fitness type account that I've ever actually been like wow I get it I get what they're doing I get the mission they're on and it's like they're showing me they're not like doing it for clout or for attention this is like you're on a journey and I feel like I'm getting to watch your journey and it's, it's that's not- why I want everyone to go subscribe to your or follow you on TikTok and Instagram because it's genuinely as I'm drinking a beer and eating spaghetti at midnight smoking a cigarette, I'm inspired. I just ate like three Hershey chocolate bars. <laughs> okay. I had two uh Reese pumpkins before I came downstairs on the headphones. It's fine. Life is called balance. Those are guys. the best ones. Balance. All about balance. It's balance. Now, can I ask you? Yeah. And if you don't want to get into it. This is, again, why I think you're going to be so good if people go and get onto your content and they realize how raw you are. Can we talk about the video where you went down? Are you comfortable sharing? (laughs) I only am aware of what you've posted more than one. Well, I have one that I took uh, actually from last night, but I haven't posted it yet. Um, So I have a squat fail from last night. Well, no, I have another one from a couple from a couple months ago too, where I tried to hit uh, a two fifty squat and it came down on top of me before my first competition. When I saw it, Carmen, I'm not gonna lie, I immediately like had tears in my eyes because I didn't know which, the severity. Which one, the bench or the squat that I failed? I think it was the squat because didn't it the come squat? back? Yeah, down squat was almost, scary. I'm not gonna lie. Didn't it almost um, come back down on your neck? Yeah, I did. I bent forward with it. So uh, first lesson I learned. I had those safety rails up to catch it because I didn't have a spotter necessarily. I had one, but um, it was my trainer, my coach. Um, but she's also knows that she can't lift the same amount of weight that I can lift. So she was kind of sort of there to spot me, but more or less just kind of like to help push me up if I was close to getting to the, to the top of my stance. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I, I, I had my safety rails up, first lesson I learned was they were too low. So I now have learned that I need to keep them up a little bit higher so that if that happens again, when I'm alone, um, I, I know that I'm not going to fall that far forward. It's not going to crush my neck. Well, it didn't really crush my neck. Um, it caught the bar. I just had to fall pretty far forward in order to get out from underneath of it. Okay. So yeah, it was scary. I'm not going to lie. It was scary when I had the bench fail a couple weeks ago. Um, I remember it falling down on top of me. Same thing. I know that my rails were there. I was by myself. I think there might have been one other person in the gym, like way, way in the back, that if I started screaming, they probably would have come up and got me and helped. Um, But I knew that the rails were there and I could get out. I just had to get my gear off before I could squeeze out from underneath the bar. But I don't remember it. (laughs) So if it wasn't for that video with my bench, um, I don't remember how I got out of it. But I know I remained calm. I know I stayed calm. And that's the biggest thing is just, okay, I'm all right. I'll get out from this. I have the safety rails here for a reason. They caught the bar. It's not really on top of me. I just have to really get out from underneath of it. And I mean, like, it's amazing. I'm sure there's like a lot of adrenaline in that moment. And that might have blocked out your memory. Kind of. (laughs) But I have to. One of our, uh, one of the guys at the gym, he, uh, 
he said something, oh gosh, it was way, way back in the early where I said I was afraid to go to a certain weight on something. He's like, why are you afraid? It's like, cause I'm going to fail. It's like, well, you're going to have to try. You're going to have to learn where you fail so that you can get stronger. So don't be afraid to fail. I love that. That's like, that's good, inspiring. It's good advice for anything. Don't be afraid to fail. It's okay to not be the best at everything. It's okay to not be perfect. I know I'm not the best power lifter. There are definitely ladies who are stronger than I am. I'm still super, super new in this. I've only done, you know, two competitions and I've only really started getting into like legit training, um, like heavy duty training for it. So there's still a lot for me to learn, but it's worth the risk. I like doing it. I like who I am when I do it. And that's, I think, the most important part of me being a nerd about it is I like who I am. And I have to say, this is why I encourage everyone to follow you because I am the first one to run away from people that are doing this (laughs) on social media. But I have to say, the fact that you were willing to post the days where you don't do your best made it realize for me, it was like, Number one, when I first saw when I first saw that that first video, I literally I immediately just teared up because I didn't know if like I didn't really read the post. I watched the video, and like I'm like, am I gonna have to like send flowers to Kanama Hospital? <laughs> like I, I you know, like just be like, do I have to go? Like, is she okay? Yeah. Because to some to an untrained eye, it looked a lot worse. Oh yeah, than no, what it, it really rough. was. It was rough, and oh yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is it's actually a journey that you're on and it's like you, it comes through in your videos and your posts like that. And I encourage everyone to go follow you. Um, as somebody that's not really into that culture and into that world, I feel like it's a lens on your life and a lens on that culture that I appreciate. Yeah. And thank you. yes, I think you're doing pretty damn good. Thank and you. Uh, we, everybody can follow you on Instagram and on TikTok at Carmageddon five, two, five. That's yep. Armageddon with the letter C in front of it for That's right. <laughs> Miss Carmen. I love it. Um, so <laughs> real quick, um, I do what was the thing that I said that I wanted to circle back to if we had time? I thought I wrote it down. <laughs> oh no, I didn't. Dang it. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I think that this is pretty much though the highlights of what we wanted to cover is there anything else that you want to anything else to wrap it up or where how do you feel about your first episode on my no i feel good i appreciate you guys reaching out let me be a part of this and letting me nerd out for a little bit it's nice to have this kind of an outlet so thank you guys for creating this giving this a safe space to talk to and letting people be themselves and be nerds and enjoy being themselves being nerds well thank you i appreciate you understanding what we're doing for everyone besides gordon i really appreciate (laughs) i appreciate it and you are welcome back anytime we have uh, been communicating about a potential episode in november um where we could have you and bob on together which would be wonderful and if you will have us we would have you (laughs) hey if you'll take me back (laughs) absolutely um well Gordon, do you have anything else you want to throw in for the discourse for the episode here? I don't believe so. I'm pretty happy with everything I learned here today. Uh, yeah, I think this was a little bit of an educational and a little bit inspiring, a little bit of everything, a little bit yeah. of shade, a little bit of shade throwing. You know, you gotta the have the biggest it all. takeaway from this episode should be that you can deep fry anything your heart desires. 
Well, if you my... can't, send me the recipe. I'll figure it out. <laughs> His DMs are open. <laughs> At all times. I will deep fry anything. You know, figure it out if I can't. Oh, my. You want deep fried butter? Fine, I'll do it. We'll figure it It'll out. Be done. There might be some like Wisconsin listeners that might take you up on it. that. That's the butter state, right? Wisconsin, <laughs> I think. God I think so. I've already I've eaten butter, deep fried butter before. It's disgusting. You don't want it, but I'll still do it. I mean, there, like I said, we might have we have some viewership that might surprise you with some of these places. You never know. Maybe that's part that's of their right. culture. That'll be our right. first uh, live recording episode. It's deep frying everything and anything we can find in a store. That would be I, hilarious. I do have a vision in my head that our first like Let's Be Nerds YouTube video would be an all cast film. So like all of us, Lizette, Bob, Carmen, everybody, and get basically rent out the room at our work, rent out the back room, and do a mukbang for our first YouTube video. I know they're kind of going out of style and they're not on trend, but we all love to eat. So like I think that'd be a really cool video. Anyway, I that's like an that's a plan for another day. My <laughs> stomach is happy with that decision. Thank you. Agreed. I, I saw a TikTok today that it was like they had a shirk, charcuterie board party, and like one of them was like a sushi board. One of them mm. was a dessert board. I was like, that would be a good video, and I just want all of that in my belly. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> the possibilities are endless, as they say. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank all of you for listening. This is another great episode of Let's Be Nerds. Um, if you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a like, leave us a comment, tell us what you liked, tell us what you didn't. Um, what are your conventions experience, convention experiences? Were you somebody that went to Walker Stalker Con? Are you a power lifter? Do you want to eat deep fried butter? Let us know. <laughs> If you're listening on a podcast format, please leave us a rate and a review. It helps tremendously with the analytics. We really want to get this out there because we're trying to build a community. With that being said, the link for our Discord server will be in the description box below. Please come join up. It's a great space to talk about everything nerdy and everything that you're crazy about. We'd love to hear from you. And we cannot do this show without Anchor. So, of course, as always, we want to thank them for sponsoring this show. And with that being said, we'll see you guys in the next one. Let's Be Nerds is hosted and executive produced by Gordon Bryant and me, Stephen J. McLean. Let's Be Nerds is a production of Speakeasy Productions. Our social media manager is Kylie Gregg. Our managing producer and co-host is Lizette Ayala. To keep up with the latest on Let's Be Nerds, join our Discord server linked in the description box below. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Be Nerds Pod or find us on Twitter at Let's the Letter B Nerds. Mm-hmm.